Jurassic Unicorn, yeah, 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 doodly badly do. Uh, welcome to Jurassic Unicorn, uh, June for short, and I'm Brian. And I am Race. And today we're going to be talking about productivity and getting started. Yeah, getting started is tough. You know, I think that's probably, well, obviously it's the beginning of everything, but I can think of um, a lot of resistance that I face typically when I, when I try to get started on pretty much everything. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a big challenge in the, you know, when I'm teaching at the school, that's one thing that always pops up is students will hear of a, a project prompt and then they go, okay, I, I understand what I need to do, but then days go by. And then you kind of check in with the, the student and they tell you, look, it's, it's really hard for me to get started. But it's not just one out of 30 students. We're talking about the majority just have a hard time really getting going. So today we really want to explore what that looks like and maybe come up with some strategies that might be helpful. Some things that, that work for us that we've used. Yeah. Yeah. I think getting started is fundamentally this barrier that we all face, all creatives kind of face in whatever endeavor it is. I'm pretty sure that I have to cross that wall every time I do anything. And I feel that all the time. I was uh, trying to write the other day. This happens to me every time I try to write anything new. It's like I would sit down at my desk and I'd stare at my screen. And that's about <laughs> like, this is really realistic right now. So just, and then I'd get up and I'd start thinking about all of the, uh, the things that I knew a lot more around like what, what done looked like. Like I'd go outside and I'd, I, you know, last week I winterized the whole garden and like the whole yard and it was raining. I didn't want to winterize anything, but that for some reason felt more comfortable to me than staying at my computer and, and writing. And then I sat back down after that. And then I got up and I went and I organized the pantry. And then I sat down and I got up and I made some food and I sat back down and I got up and I started, <laughs> I played a little bit of hollow night <laughs> And I sat down, I got up and I took the kids like to, to a cafe and we hung out for a little while and I came back. So yeah, yeah, I, I get that, that challenge. So explain, you know, in your head, like what's going on when you decide to get up and go clean or, or do something that's kind of a little bit more routine, you know, why is that the choice? I think it's, I know the end. I know what the end state looks like. I know how to get there. I don't have to dive into this creative unknown the aspect that really blocks me is how do you begin something when you don't know where it's going or what it's supposed to look like? Mm -hmm. You know, how do you do that? That's a great question. That's why we're here. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because, you know, hearing that you kind of go back and forth, like you go sit down on the chair and then you stand up and go do something <laughs> and then you sit back down back on the chair and forth and back and forth. Yeah. I'm really trying. I really want to do it. I'm not trying to procrastinate. It's just. I, I think of like what I do in, in that same situation because I will have projects that I know I need to get done, but I just haven't really found a connection with those projects mm. yet. Or I have, but there's there's life things that sort of come in and kind of swoop you into a, a different direction. Sure. And then it's hard to kind of engage and, and switch over to that frame of mind. One thing that I do, which is kind of ridiculous, is I don't sit down at the chair because once I sit down at the chair, <laughs> I'm, I'm like all in. Right. But so what, what I do is I have the door open and then I have my computer and my setup in the room and then I kind of glide by the, the door. <laughs> I go, 
Yeah. When I look at it, right? And <laughs> maybe come <laughs> yeah. peek in the other side. Yeah. Yeah. I come in from the other side. I look at it. And if my computer could actually, you know, if, if it was alive, it would look at me and be like, dude, are you going to, are we going to do this? Or are you just going to be creeping around the doorway <laughs> for the next three hours? Right. And so I won't even sit down. I'll just sort of push it off to the side and, and try to forget about it, but I can't forget about it. And then, uh, but usually when I sit down, I am into it, you know, but it takes, it takes some effort. Yeah. I have to really strategize and make sure that I'm feeling that particular project, which is a really important part of it is you can't really force yourself to engage in a project, Yeah, you know, and, and you have to kind of come to terms with that because usually forcing the project will usually lead to things that might look rushed or sure. you're not in the right frame of mind and it just doesn't really feel like it's, it's what it could be. And that's always kind of a bummer place to be. And so one thing that I try to do is, is be aware of when I'm in that frame of mind, but that doesn't mean that I completely abandon it. I actually will prefer to, to kind of, you know, maybe do like 20, 30 minutes of even just exploration, even if it's a, even if it's a fumble, even if you're like, you're trying to engage with a project and you start thinking about it and you, you go down a couple rabbit holes that might not be directly associated with it. Uh, sometimes even those weird rabbit holes are actually really good for you. And sometimes they can, they can allow you or promote this different, a unique perspective maybe. So I think the biggest thing is to not look at those situations and go, oh, I didn't do anything on this project. I'm such a failure, right? I have this due date and I sat down for 30 minutes and I didn't do anything with it. Honestly, even the act of just sitting down and trying to engage is part of that relationship. You know, you have to slowly build that and do that more often. And eventually when you are ready to work on it, all of those 30 minutes kind of stack up and you're in a little bit better spot to maybe push that project forward. It's realistic that you, you can't force flow. I think that's something that we all can relate to, can experience. That flow state is is magic and it more just happens upon me. It, it's like something I stumble into, not something that I open the door and walk in. It's awesome when it overtakes you and you just find yourself lost. And and so how do we, how do we access that? And I think I liked a couple of the comments you said is you mentioned just getting started on something because I've talked a little bit about the iterative process. Typically, creative endeavors in general are going to follow some sort of an iterative you know, flow. Um, ideas kind of happen that way. They don't really begin with the final idea at first. And especially when you're diving into something where that finished product is not as tangible, mm -hmm. not as uh, known. And so to be able to just throw out something to then start to stew on from that level, it's kind of like you're taking steps. Mm-hmm. You've got nothing. You're looking at this uh, kind of abstract end state you need to get to. So you throw down a layer of something. Just even if you say this is garbage, it's not garbage. It's, it's actually kind of the first step to getting there. And, it, and it's, you know, it's kind of amazing. But you then step up on that platform and you look at the world from this new, um, this new insight. And all of a sudden, the thoughts are different. They're, they're now informed by what you just laid down. And then you put down another step and you take another step up because you iterate on those ideas and then you iterate on those ideas. And if you can kind of just have this, just layer these platforms, eventually you get to the space where, yeah, I had no idea this is what this was going to look like. This is amazing. And it's more, it's cool because it's like, I'm both creating, but I'm discovering the whole time. Yeah. And if you look at every project that way, that it really is something to explore and discover. Yeah. It puts you in a better frame of mind 
to connect with those projects. In fact, you need to be a little skeptical about sitting down and feeling like, oh, I know exactly what to do. It's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. Talk more about that. Well, you know, let's say um, I'm asked to do uh, character concepts for like a werewolf, right? The werewolf has been done thousands of times and most of them look about the same, right? Sure. But if I have this preconception in my head and I go, oh, you want me to design you a werewolf? Well, I'll just sit down and knock you out a werewolf. And if it becomes so easy and within, you know, 20 minutes, you're trying to look at me as a professional and I can just sort of knock something out that's so generic and so tied to everything and anything else we've seen. There has to be a part of you that's kind of questioning that. Sure. And so it requires a journey. It requires this kind of odd relationship with the project. And you need to explore. You need to listen to, you know, wolves howling in the night. You need to look <laughs> at the uh, the history of the wolf man, you know. Yeah. You need to look at what has been done and ask yourself what 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 could be missing. And, and you, you basically kind of build this archive of a new understanding. And even if I've done like a werewolf design 20 years ago and then I, I have an opportunity to do another one, I treat it the same way. I don't say, oh, well, I've already built all this information of knowledge. It's like 20 years ago, I had a totally different perspective on things. So maybe this new line of research and understanding the the problem I'm trying to solve is new. My perspective might be completely new. There's actually new material out there too, right? New articles that have been written, new new werewolf designs. There's AI art right now that you can type in werewolf and it gives you a bunch of really bizarre things. Werewolf carving pumpkins or werewolf making like eating gumdrops. Yeah. Werewolf dancing with an umbrella that's shaped like a unicorn. Hey, I like it. <laughs> that's good art. Um <laughs> I like what you what you're saying here about letting perspective inform everything around us informs what we're doing. I've had some really neat insights in this other area that seems unrelated, but totally comes in and impacts that. So, well, and and you're hitting on a good little side topic there is just making sure that when you do something, you really are trying to involve as much of yourself Mm. as you can. And that doesn't mean that basically do whatever you want. What that means is you have a special mind, you have a special perspective, you're not like everybody else. And that's why people come to other folks, you know, in in any sort of industry is is sometimes it's the fresh perspective. And I think sometimes there's always kind of a, a battle for the status quo, you know, like this is what good design is, this is how things should look. But the journey for all of those artists and designers to to get whatever that subject is to that point it requires a whole lot of them putting themselves into it and respecting that and being aware of that. You know, everyone in this town could get tasked with going back to the werewolf thing, you know, design a new werewolf that's innovative and new. And if everyone is tasked with that, you're probably going to get a lot of different, mm. you know, perspectives on that and in different designs. And that's actually what can fuel the, the true innovation is just sort of this collaborative, everyone being themselves and adding their own history and everything that they've sort of built about themselves and their their perspective, their knowledge, the the way that they like to see and 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 understand stories and characters, and, and that's all coming together. And all of a sudden, you, that's where it really starts to fire off. I think a lot of uh, designers, regardless of what age you are and how long you've been in any sort of industry, it's easy to get kind of bogged down by the status quo and what you should be making, you know. And I think sometimes it's kind of finding more of a balance in that. Sure. I liked, we talked about bringing in our experience, uh, building those platforms, just iterating and getting something going. 
Uh, one thing that really helps me maybe start start something, get get going on something when I when I can't maybe lay down that first platform in say like the medium that I'm trying to work in, like let's say I'm writing something and I just can't get sentences out that make any sense to me. Sometimes um, I'll I'll switch mediums, so Ooh. I'll stay kind of connected with the idea. The idea is still there. I know I know I want to get to this space. I know some parameters around it. That's another one is maybe just instead of trying to write the the journey from A to Z or whatever, it's write write the parameters, write a bunch of the maybe the the context around the situation or or the thing or you know in my mm-hmm. case I'm talking about writing, but it can be anything, but. What I'll also do, though, back to just some alternate modes to kind of stay in that space, I'll go and draw. I'll, I'll draw the environment or, or I will draw maybe little pieces and snapshots of, of things along that path. Or I'll go find some some soundtracks on Spotify that that relate to the genre of what I'm trying to do. I'll, I'll try to kind of spark that creativity and maybe some other mediums, activate some different parts of my brain. And it's crazy when I'm trying to write. If I just stop and I start doing some sketching, all of a sudden I look at what I've drawn and I see, you know, rooms and environments and people and I start goofing around and I'm, I'm drawing things that I never would have written because drawing just it, you have to fill the space with something and you put something in there and it's like all of a sudden now the story emerges and that can really spark some neat ideas. I don't know. What are some techniques you use to try and break out of that or, or iterate or. Yeah, it's funny you bring that up because there's a lot of similarities. I, I think if when I'm really struggling, you know, I, I do a lot of uh, character design or world building and wor- world building is sort of constructing that foundation so that characters can live within that space. And it kind of goes back to what you're talking about. There's, there's this level of construction of the scenario, you know, the setting of, of a, of a story. And you really do need to go through and, and give that enough time to, to build because everything that you create after that is so dependent on that situation. And so I think that's a big part of it. But it's also kind of macro, micro kind of conversations, right? You get into the details. Sometimes that can help you kind of work out of a rut. Sometimes it's the big picture that can help you work out of a rut. But I switch over to, you know, different ways to to connect with something as well. I like to grab an acoustic guitar. Mm, nice. And I like to just listen to the vibrations yeah. of the strings and and see if I can actually play a tune or a series of notes that actually might be the language of, of a character or a world that I'm trying to create. That's cool. And you get a different, it's more abstract, right? But sometimes you go back to that, that character, you go back to that world and you have a, a, a clean perspective of it. That tunes in your head. It's kind of with you as you start to create. Yeah. It's like when I do creepy stuff, I like to listen to dark ambient music or space ambient. Nice. A- ambience. It puts you there. It's a slow kind of meditative sound. If it's dark ambient, there's a lot of creepiness to it. There's a band called Lust Mord that has a lot of really wild, mm. creepy, you know, dark ambient sounds. And that's probably my, my go-to. But it really does put you there. And, and it gets you in that headspace. And then all of a sudden, you, your perspective starts to, to change a little bit to where you, you can almost feel, you can almost visualize the world. It's almost as if, as if they exist somewhere else and you're tapping into it you know and then once once you have that it's a matter of just collecting as much information as you can while you're in that space and then you get it all down and then you can kind of sit back and and review 
and analyze what, what the hell you just did. <laughs> sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't, you know, can you think of any, any experience that stands out where you've kind of faced this and it, maybe it was, it was more of a struggle when I am trying to build something for my students, right? I'll, I'll usually spend the weekends prepping for something that I'll reveal on a, on a Monday. And what'll happen is this is maybe something I've talked about for the last four or five years. So I do have this relationship with the topic and I have had a lot of investigation throughout the years in that particular topic, that particular prompt. But what happens is you tend to analyze it and you start to think, okay, well, if, if I have that title of professor, I'm supposed to be like this super intelligent entity standing in front of a group of students going, well, and of course you would look for this, you know? And I think that there's kind of like that, it goes back to status quo, you know, you're like, I'm supposed to wear a certain type of jacket, you know, but you have to wear a certain type of hat and you have to have a mustache, I think. Anyway, there's a lot of things you might have to have when you're a professor in front of students and the lesson plan, the projects I've talked about for years, I tend to overthink and I start adding things in there that are a little bit more in alignment with how other professors might be approaching their classes, right? And then I'll I'll feel pretty good about it that night. I'll wake up the next morning and it just, I look through the the slide deck and it just doesn't feel right. But I'm like, you know what? I've done this before. It'll be fine. And then I get into the classroom and I start talking about the project and I'm looking at the student, there's their faces and they're kind of, you could tell they're kind of winding down. They're getting overwhelmed with the information. They're kind of looking around at each other. Some of them have completely fallen asleep. Some of them are playing video games. I mean, you get a kind of an assortment of things, but you realize in that moment that maybe what you're talking about, while it's incredibly exciting to you, you overthought it. You you weren't like whimsical. You didn't connect with that, Hmm. that part of you that actually delivers information maybe a little bit different way. And then if I'm good that day, if I'm actually primed, I'll actually completely throw out the deck (laughs) You know, I might, I might scrub through a few of those slides that are important, but I actually try to pick up on the way they're interpreting the information and read the room a little bit better sure. and be a little bit more aware and uh, conscious of the moment. And that's me kind of getting into it from a different perspective, a different uh, knowledge base that I can pull from. And I realize that I've got to bring up the energy in myself and I've got to simplify the content and I've got to instead connect with my root connection to that content, not the, what I think it should look like now. And then that's when it starts to ease up and the, and the delivery is better and they understand it. They're more excited. And that's an example from a a teaching perspective, but that exact process comes through in everything, you know, worked on, um, uh, puppet masters, you know, a few years ago, we built these little puppets and we had this uh, history. I mean, the, the puppet master series has been around for a long time and They've, they've had quite a few different movies and there's this expectation with the characters and you try to get into that and design and sort of build and construct the characters and try to put your own flavor of innovation on there. But um, if you overthink it, if you try to tie it too much to what has been done before, you start to go down kind of a weird path, mm. you know, and what was good for those of us working on it was to try to step out of that box and say, there has to be that level of familiarity with those characters, but who are they today? You know, what could they look like? What kind of emotion could be conveyed that maybe wasn't conveyed at that time? And maybe how has our audience sort of engaged with horror on a different level? 
and maybe those there's been some desensitization that has happened. You know, they're they're not as scared as they used to be with certain things, and all of a sudden we need to maybe up up that a little bit or kind of hit at different frequencies of their their visual understanding of something. And so it goes back to that though. There's that logical side of of the brain that tells you that this is how things should be, but then there's that whimsical, more creative side of the brain that says, "What if?" Yeah. And and that's the dynamic that you need to have in everything that you do. And if one starts to really start letting you down, let the other one take over, you know, and vice versa. And they, I think, would you agree that in, in the stuff that you've done, have you had the logical side kind of bring you down sometimes? And then also the creative, overly whimsical side also kind of put you in a weird hole? Yeah, that's, I was thinking about that as you were talking. I, I, I like to know what something's going to look like it's kind of scary to dive into the unknown, you know, so it feels, it feels safe when I can kind of figure it out. And in reality, there's something amazing diving into that unknown space and letting myself be informed along the way and letting go. I think that's a big part of it is letting go because Mm, as soon as I can start to let go, uh, all of a sudden I start discovering, I start learning, I start experiencing I literally will experience what it is I'm supposed to design or make. It's a weird thing. It's almost like I don't know where the ideas are coming from. They're just flowing. And it's a little scary because I don't have control over that. I'm not telling the ideas what they should be. I'm listening to the ideas and kind of surrendering to the process and letting it happen. And it's it's really kind of a beautiful thing. But I think it, it probably ties into invention in a lot of different ways, like probably why it's a little bit scary and and why there's some tension is because you're not sure if it's going to be successful. It might be complete quote unquote garbage. That's, that's kind of the executive brain trying to say, no, it's going to be crap. If you, if you don't have a plan, if you don't know exactly what you're doing, if you just let go, it's not going to work out. Those are all the fears. Mm-hmm. But when you do it, you enter flow state. Yes. And then all of a sudden you black out, you come <laughs> to, and this amazing thing has happened and maybe that's also why why it's hard for me to reproduce it is that because in flow state, it's not really a deep analysis of what I'm doing. It's just an experience of it happening. And then I look at it and it's this beautiful mystery. And I was in some small part, a part of the creation of that mystery, but I'm sure a lot of other stuff was doing it too. You know, it's, it's kind yeah. of amazing. <laughs> I love it. It's <laughs> funny. <huh? laughs> well, it, it so there's so much truth to it. When you get into the flow state and you go to that other world, yeah, you wake up and you go, what happened? Oh, blacked out. <laughs> who, who am I? What is this? And everyone's looking at it like, where did you go? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, totally. But just trying to plan out the route can really get in the way. And I love the idea of letting go. Mm-hmm. Sometimes for me, that looks like, okay, I've got to get from point A to point, you know, Z. And so my, my, uh, literal mind, the mind that wants to, you know, really understand what that journey is going to look like wants to start at point a, Mm. but maybe I need to write a little bit about point G and then just jump to point K and then jump to U and write a couple sentences or do a couple things, whether it's, 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 I'm talking, I'm using writing as my example here, but it can be anything. I sketch this, I sketch that it doesn't have to be connected. It doesn't have to flow linearly. It just needs to be some sort of creative input into the space. And then when I look at the space, it's a little more defined. There's, there's now some data points or I've thrown some darts at the wall and I can think about it with that new insight in mind. And so I find that 
really just kind of saying there are no rules. I'm going to break all of these down. I'm not going to let anything kind of try and tie me into one way of doing things. That unlocks the ability for the creativity to just come in and be discovered and inform me, you know? Mm -hmm. I love just getting in that no expectations point of view. It's it's yeah. this beautiful, scary, weird, just amazing place to be in. And, and don't you find that it's when you're younger, like when you're first getting into design, that's a barrier that's really hard to get through is the expectation, right? That that might come from, you know, the the prompt of the, your project, uh, the the client that you're working for. There's a list of expectations that kind of tie to that. And while they're all valid, like you, you do need to check boxes, you know, typically when you are going to go build something, there is a, a, there is some output expectations, but when it comes to the creative process, that's when you need to let a lot of those go for a moment, because typically even clients, you know, when they, they're bringing up something, they're usually associating that with something that they've seen and something that they think they want. Sure. But there's been quite a few times, I'm sure you've experienced this too, where because of that type of discovery, because of letting go, you're able to find maybe a unique solution that maybe hasn't been really seen before. And that's that's the opportunity. And then typically you'll take that back to the client and they go, oh, wow, well, I thought I wanted this, but this is way better. Yeah. Usually with like UX design, we give tons of different possibilities. It's just a rule of thumb. We're not going to give you a solution. We're going to give you 12. We want to be able to really push possibility. Yeah, I know you said this probably isn't going to work. Let's try it anyway and just look at it. And yeah, you're right. That didn't work. But this little thing we discovered by going there, let's pull that in because that piece did work. It's just shining a light all over the place and looking at what's in the corners, what's hanging out and, and allowing me to see, you know, a lot of those things that I throw out there and I try, most of it gets thrown away, but you know, it does spark that next step. And it's a step I would never be able to take had I not you know, started. Mm -hmm. You can sit there looking at this unknown forever and never get started. Mm -hmm. Or you can take a couple steps and then take a few more and take a few more and twist and turn and get feedback and have something now that people can provide insight. It's kind of cool. I love, I love that journey because even though it's different projects, it's different situations, it's kind of this, this, this step off into the unknown, this hope that something's going to catch us when we take the leap. And the reality that something always does, mm, you know, love that. it's always there. It's not that it gets easy to do, but I've learned to trust that I can take that step blindly and it's going to be okay. You know, and that's, that's helped me keep a relationship with, with, and, and learn to love this tenuous, challenging, creative need or requirement, I guess, to do something that's just not on my to-do list. That's not, you know, take out the garbage, go winterize the backyard go, uh, you know, whatever, do your laundry, mm -hmm. you know, it's something that keeps me coming back. Cause I love the discovery, just the mystery and the wonder of it all. And then reaching the end state and looking back and seeing, I don't know how I got here. It's been a huge journey and process, but I love what has happened. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love this idea that is tied to relationships with the things that you do, you know, and life is about relationships. It really is, whether it's people or things, spaces. But when it comes to projects and things that you're working on, uh, creative endeavors, it requires a relationship in order for that to be successful. And I'm, I, I always try to look at it like it's this little ball, this little sphere, just right, side, right outside of your consciousness. It's sort of sitting on your shoulder. 
And when you have a project and you, you give it a little bit of thought, you give it a little bit of food, right? You feed it, even if it's just a little bit, it, it'll stay close to you. But as soon as you start to, to peel away from it, just like any relationship, it sort of moves further and further away. The more you, 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 you hide it in the closet, you know, the, the, the more you procrastinate uh, before you know it, when, you, when it is time, there's, there's, there's no time left. You, you must work on this, you know, whether it's a deadline or, you know, some kind of submission. If, if you haven't kept that relationship strong with that, whatever you're doing, it'll be so hard to wrestle that back yeah. into it. And it, it becomes foreign and it becomes a true antagonist and something that you'll fight. You know, if you didn't feed it along the way, it's going to be angry when you start to connect with it again. And so that's where procrastination, even though we all do it, can get a little scary is there's a way to procrastinate that's a little bit, a little healthier process is to, is to keep feeding it yeah, once, once in a while. One is like avoidance. That's, that's more, I would say the, the procrastination idea. There's a way to, to say, I'm, I'm drawing in other insights and I'm going to let that flow state happen when it happens, but I'm keeping you with me. Like you're still here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that idea is still floating in your mind. It's rattling around. Like I'll pull over on the side of the road and I'll start typing into a word doc. Like if all of a sudden creativity hits all the time, um, because it's just really important to, to have mediums at hand to be able to capture it when it happens. Cause once again, it's that beauty of, I'm not really in control of this. Yeah. If I had my way, I could sit down at my desk at three o'clock and I have one hour and I could schedule all this stuff, mm-hmm. but it's more like, well, Brian, actually, um, I'll let you know when I got something for you, um, mm-hmm. you let go and we'll make this happen. You yeah. know, there's a difference between kind of taking space or, or having that relationship and that journey, but not trying to, to overdefine exactly what it looks like and letting it kind of emerge and avoiding something and putting it away just because it's hard and, and kind of putting it off. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And a good relationship with a project or something that you're working on. Well, in, in those moments, when you have your little notebook, you're, you're, you're going to capture the moment because you go, you go, Hey, this relates to that thing that I have a relationship with. Right. And so I'm going to take a quick note. And when the time comes, we're going to feed whatever that note is into this project, into this thing that I'm working on. And it's, it's probably going to be great, you know, or other notes have been taken since that point. And it's kind of taken on a new shape, but yeah, that's really important. And, and you always have a notebook. I have a notebook. I've got phone. You know, what's weird also is I don't have a rigid system of anything. I've got like 17 different input methods and it's like, (laughs) I've got like nine notebooks. Some are drawing, some some are electronic. Um, Sometimes I can do a voice memo. It's just whatever kind of makes sense in the moment that it comes. Yeah. I have tried so many times to get a little more disciplined around this stuff. And for me, it just doesn't work. I just need to be flexible and dynamic in all this Mm -hmm. because it's going to come at me the way it's going to come at me. I'm going to be feeling in that moment the way I'm going to be feeling. And one of these methods I'm going to really just relate to and connecting with the idea of with that method is, is going to just be like this wonderful moment, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I've always got a bunch of junk on me that I have on hand in case inspiration strikes. We all stop and I'll <laughs> go like run through, I don't know, a sunflower feel and rip off some like crap <laughs> or like some trees, get some pine cones or I don't know. I, go collect something. Um, I'm a big rock collector. I see a big rock on the road and that's, that's what I need. I don't know. That doesn't make any sense, but <laughs> the point is, it's just that it's messy. Yeah. It's and, supposed to be messy. And that's the, the more that I realize that I don't have control over this, like I like to, 
probably the healthier I am. Yeah. You know? So it's a little bit goofy, but I love creativity because it's the beauty of it is that it kind of pushes me beyond all my expectations and all conventions, you know, what's right, what's wrong. You can't really talk about that with creativity. Mm-hmm. I would say maybe what's wrong is trying to define it. You know, yeah. that's probably yeah. the only wrong thing about creativity in general, but any, any last thoughts on that? Um, yeah, maybe a, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you just like envision me running through the, the yeah, someone's field, <laughs> ripping off things and yeah. <laughs> getting pissed what off at me. What are the ridiculous strategies that you've, you sure. know, utilized to, to get into a headspace? I, I, I'll start off. I, I don't think it's ridiculous per se, but it, it is something that really does work. When I go for a drive, it helps me connect with the the particular project I'm working on. And I think what it is, is is there's a certain part of my brain that's just trying to keep us alive in the car, right? <laughs> so it's like drive, follow the road, and then, you know, make sure that you're, you're, you're nice and smooth and you just, you're going to this destination and everything is okay. You have 23.5 minutes, you know, it, it's like, it's like coordinating all of that. And all of a sudden the creative side is something I can connect with. It's almost like we're sitting together in some astral plane and we're like, okay, so what really needs to happen in this project? You know, and it's a totally different experience, but I, but I have to distract a certain part of my brain. So driving down a road for a long period of time on a route that I've done a hundred times is, is the trick. It unlocks it. And one of the many. Yeah. So when like, inspiration hits do you suddenly like like shoot up in your seat and like crank the wheel on accident everyone's screaming in the back because you know all, it's like, and then you're like oh trying to straighten the car out as you're almost getting like flipping it it's like what no but i i do go really slow i think when i'm really in that state everyone's honking and passing I'm like you. five miles below the speed limit and people are like hey this guy's a jerk you know it's a, and that's usually when I know I'm actually maybe a better driver that way too. <laughs> the ultimate distracted driving yeah. race is over. <laughs> yeah. I have, you know, there, there's some creepy about that though, is time will pass. Oh, sure. And you'll pass uh, like little, you know, towns and stuff. And then you go, wait, where am I? Yeah. Like I, I don't remember Any going through that town and you did. It's just your 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 brain was in a different place, and that's kind of freaky because you're like, wait, am I really that aware of what I'm doing right now? <laughs> that doesn't happen all the time, but it's happened a couple times. Yeah, my I don't think I have like something like really funny, but I'll typically like I'll hop out of the house, I'll go to the coffee shop, and I'll work there for a while. I'll try to get in a, in a different environment. Let's see, I, maybe maybe one silly one. So I was I was writing a little bit of a backstory for a D and D campaign, and it was supposed to be kind of dark and spooky. And so what I did was, and and I don't typically hang out in in kind of the dark and spooky. This isn't my world. So we were just in this one moment yeah. of this this campaign or of this adventure. And so I was one wheeling around Moscow, and I, I went. I was at a buddy's house, and I was coming home. And I turned on, yeah, some of that creepy music ambiance and I, I had it really loud and it was pitch black and it was kind of foggy. And I was scaring myself half to death, just like cruising <laughs> around with like no street lamps, like, like looking over here and looking over there, like expecting it at any moment someone was going to jump out. And I was going to, you know, I was getting yeah. this fight or flight. I was going to have to like take them down or, or zoom off of my one wheel at, at 18 miles an hour, hopefully outpace them. Um <laughs> 
but it was so it was really cool because it just gave me all these really fun emotions and yeah it kind of put me in that headspace I, I it shook some ideas loose and that's what i wanted i, I kind of wanted to get a little bit spooked you know yeah that's awesome and it did help you fuel it oh, helped sure. fuel your writing and yeah i think also another thing is like so when i write a lot um, yeah, finding good sounds, good music. Mm-hmm. You talked about that. That's for me, that's really important. It's crazy how, how much scoring can impact kind of the pace, the flow, the feeling, how much it can inspire the actual story itself. Yeah. And you're talking about frequencies and vibrations and how we're all sort of resonating off of this larger system. And, and that, that can be kind of a, a good way to, to find different uh, frequencies is to get moving on one, you know? <laughs> so really, again, you know, as we're all trying to dive into the space together and and crack into these possible unknown discoveries um, of of creativity, of just abstract ideas and invention, yeah, get a little uh, unconventional. You know, mm-hmm. pick different mediums, pick different locations, pick different sounds, do things backwards. Uh, go find if if you're used to working in you know an office, get out, go to a coffee shop, go be around people, sit on a, a a park bench, pull out a sketchbook, and just draw the environment that you're in, and do anything that's creative, even if it's not directly tied to the thing. Mm-hmm. Just access that creative muscle in some way, and yeah. it will inform. It will start to build a step that'll help crack into mm-hmm. you know whatever that thing is. Yeah, um, I identify your your projects, your quests. Uh, Put something on the wall. Keep keep a reminder of it. Um, I love changing environments. You know, uh, be aware of the distractions, the things that are really pulling you away from connecting to certain projects. You know, movements, and think about the people in your life too. You know, you may need to isolate for a little bit to connect with something, or you might need to be at a coffee shop around a bunch of people and, and be able to embrace that energy. But I think the biggest thing is relationships. You know, find ways everyone's unique you're going to have to find a unique way to connect with your creativity you're going to have to find a unique way to connect to your productivity and you're going to have to jump into the logical side of your brain a few times you're going to have to jump into the creative more whimsical side and and kind of keep a a good balance there but you know i think the most important thing is is realize that everyone deals with this everyone has to battle through this everyone has to learn how their machine works with developing and creating things. And it's a process. It'll take years and years and years. I'm still learning things about about that process and, and strategies to unlock certain parts of my brain and and um, develop a better way to execute on certain things and handle more projects with better organization. You know, I'm sure you are running into that too. Sure. There's, there's still growth there. That's what's amazing and exciting about it. Thanks for listening, folks. Uh, That's all we've got today. Talking about getting through our creative blocks, how to not procrastinate getting started. So follow us on Twitter at JuneCast, Instagram at June underscore cast. And if you want to join the conversation, shout at us, hashtag JuneCast on any of your posts. And yeah, we'll speak at you next time. Thanks for joining. Thanks, everybody.